Hi, I'm Pat Mahomes, former Major League Baseball player, also the host of The Big Mahomes Show. You're listening to The Pro Sports Podcaster Show. We are The Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of The Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcast. I'm your co-host, Neil Wallace-Bruce, a.k.a. NWV. And I'm joined by the talented Mr. Corbett Arond, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? Good, buddy. Good. How's it going? I'm great, because we have a, a guest on who plays one of my favorite positions in the sport of baseball, the closer. When this guy's <laughs> running out onto the field, the game's pretty much over. <laughs> he is the all-time save, le- saves leader for the Washington Nationals. He also spent some time up in Canada with the Montreal Expos. It is Mr. Chad Cordero. Chad, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Um, we'd love to see some baseball sometime soon. <laughs> I'm sure you would too. <laughs> Don't do it. Same here, man. Same here. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a not a great time. Now, what would the process be like for for a relief pitcher or a closer that can't get into their facility right now? How would they be preparing for a season like this? Just the ones who don't live by their spring training complexes are probably hooking up with some of their old teammates back home. Um, if, if they have any with them, yeah, get to get, I'd be able to call up a couple of my friends, get together with them, probably go down to Cal state Fullerton, um, where I went to, where I went to college at and, um, throw some bullpens down there. Probably ask the school if we can face some live hitters because they're always looking for hit for opportunities for their, for their players to be able to hit off of uh, live pitching too. So just to do something like that, just to kind of, you know, stay, Try to stay as as sharp as possible because I mean they could get a call tomorrow where you know the uh, the lockout is lifted and they have to report back to the spring training tomorrow ready to go. So you know they they, they I, for me I would still be throwing right now playing catch throwing, throwing bullpens and try to do try to see as many live hitters as, as possible on a, on a weekly basis. For sure. Now you touched on Cal State Fullerton and that was the college that you went to. I, I believe you won a regional MVP in the College World Series there. Mm-hmm. Was baseball always the goal for you, or how did you get into the sport? Yeah, I grew up around baseball. I, my grandpa loved it. My parents loved it. And so I would, I did, we just grew up on the baseball field. Whenever we had a, any free time on Sundays, my grandpa would organize a, like a softball game um, at the school behind his house. So all my aunts and uncles, cousins, we'd all go out there every Sunday and play. It was like slow, slow pitch, but I mean, we'd still be able to play baseball and softball out there. Um, and it happened almost every week. So I grew up around the game. And then, you know, I didn't really understand the process as far as going to school and getting drafted. I just, for me, I just kind of like just walked into it, luckily. I was on a team. Um, and then uh, the way I got seen was the team that I was on, we were facing a, a pitcher who was getting scouted by by a lot, a lot of teams. So I just happened to be pitching. That's where people first saw me. Nice one. And you obviously flourished from that point on. <laughs> it went from good to great. <laughs> Yeah, Chad, we've had major league pitchers on the the show before. I I personally have never talked with a closer, but I've always found the closer position to be kind of awesome as well. I want to know how is it 
you become a closer. I mean, it's one thing to go through the process of becoming just a your, your standard starter or a middle reliever, but at what point do do you figure out that you're going to become a closer? For me, you know, I, I was a starter all throughout high school, and then when I went first went to Cal State Fullerton, I was a starter all of all of uh, fall practices and games. And then during some of our fall practices, though, they would actually have all their pitchers. They would have them come in this situation, so they would make it to where it's bases loaded, nobody out. First and second, nobody out. Second and third, nobody out. And they would just kind of see how each pitcher reacted. And I remember throughout that fall, every opportunity that I had, I think it was, for whatever reason, I remember the stat, but I came in with 21 runners um, on and none of them scored. Wow. And so that's kind of how I became that closer was they saw how good I was under pressure and they thought that they can mold me into their closer. And luckily for, for me, my freshman year, we had a very good closer and the name, his name was Kirk Sarlos. He's now the, the head coach at, uh, at TCU. Okay, and so he kind of, he taught me a lot my freshman year, so that and that really helped me out a lot. But I think a lot of guys they they come in as starters, and then once they realize maybe they're not cut out, or maybe you know there's they might be, be best suited for other other roles. That's when the coaches start putting them in in different situations, just kind of see how you know how they do and um, see see where they might fit. And how did you like the transition to closer from starter? Oh, I loved it. I loved every minute of it because I would rather, much rather have a chance to pitch every day than have to pitch, especially in college, have maybe pitch once once a week in the, at the most. I love being able to know that I, I show up to the field and have a chance to go in. You know, I, I don't like being having to sit around for, for six, or seven, six or seven days at a time waiting for my next turn. Okay, nice. Yeah, it's, it's a fine art, the, the art of closing. And it's always interesting to see the different closers come out and do their thing and the, the repertoire of pitches that they come out with. Now, Chad, you you spent some time in Montreal, as, as we touched on at the start. You played for the Expos. What was that like, uh, playing firstly in Montreal and then a little bit in Puerto Rico? Uh, Montreal was great. I always tell everybody who asks, like, it's, it's probably one of the greatest cities, like, funnest cities and greatest cities I've had a chance to, to visit. The, the city itself, it, it's beautiful up there. And I loved my time up there. And I was only there for a year. But being able to explore and, and seeing, you know, the different culture and, and, and stuff, it was, I loved it. And I know a lot of the guys, like when, when we all found out that, you know, we were making that, that change to D.C., a lot, a, lot of, a lot of players in Major League Baseball were very, were very sad. They loved, they loved that trip. And all of them looked forward to going out there. Puerto Rico was, it was different. It was, it was tough. Especially the, with the travel, the way it was. I remember in the 2004 season, we had a deal with Major League Baseball to where we agreed to play those games in Puerto Rico. However, we had to play all 22 games before the end of the first half or before the uh, before the All Star break. So that first month of the season, I think 27 out of our first 30 30 games or so were on the road. Right. And I remember I think we played yeah we we played three games in Montreal and that was it. So that was that was tough because I remember we I think we started off the year in. Miami, then we had to go Miami, Atlanta, Atlanta, New York, back to Puerto Rico, back to Montreal, and then back out to L.A. and San Diego. So that was a little bit tough, but um, it was still fun. You know, it was, it was a great experience um, to be able to go down there and play in Puerto Rico, and, and I loved it. Yeah, and there's been rumblings that some franchises, namely Tampa Bay, could potentially do a timeshare with the old Montreal Olympic Stadium. As a former player, do you think that's actually feasible, or is that pie-in-the-sky stuff? Um, you know, I think if, if they really worked it out, I think they can get it done. I don't know if it would be fair to the two cities that have to share. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, from a player's standpoint, I think they can get it done. 
and from a fan standpoint, heck yeah, that would that would be great because now you know you might not have you might not have baseball for the first half, but then you ha you'll be able to see a lot of great players come through your uh, your city, you know, at the second part of the season. So, oh, there's a way to make it work. They just have to really sit down and and look at look at everything. There we go. Speaking of sitting down and looking at things, I want to see baseball in 2022. I just want to put that out there for everyone. <laughs> yeah, when you think of baseball, I mean, it's primarily a, a very integrated, very team sport. But when I think of sort of the solitary positions, I, I always think of DH and closer. Mm -hmm. How much pressure do you feel or did you feel when you stepped into a game and there's like you've got, say, a one run advantage? Um, for me, I like that. You know, I I didn't really think think of it as as pressure. I just thought thought of it as a way for me to go out there and you know show who was who was a better player. But you know, a lot a lot of guys they do put a lot of pressure on themselves because it is our job as a closer to get those last three outs. Um, mm -hmm. but for me, I loved it. You know, I I think I excelled in in that late, that late inning role. It was tough, a little bit tougher for me to pitch in a seventh and inning role. But once I got to that ninth, I I loved it. You know, I I never let anything get to me and. No matter what happened, whether I gave up a run or got the last three outs with, without the other team tying the run or tying the game or going ahead, it, I treated it the same. But I loved it. You know, I love coming in with, especially on the road when we're up by one and hearing all the booze from other the, the opposing <laughs> fans and stuff. I, I, I loved it. What was the, uh, the hardest stadium to play in? That's a good question. Probably for probably Philadelphia. Okay. The fa the fans there were, they lived up to the reputation. Um, <laughs> I remember there. I remember there was one game we timed it. We had a fan just staring at our bullpen yelling "boo," for I I kid you not, it was four innings straight. Wow! And it was like over an hour, just straight boo. He must I don't know how many <laughs> drinks he must have. This guy must have had, but must have been a lot. But um, yeah, it was four. It was four innings straight, just straight boo. Is I don't know how the heck that guy that guy still had a voice after the game, but. But they, but just stuff like that. I mean, they weren't like awful, but they were. They we, we heard it all when we went to Philadelphia for sure. And as you were coming up, was there someone that you kind of idolized in the position? I liked watching Trevor Hoffman. Okay, right where, where I grew up was about about two hours away from San Diego, so it wasn't far enough away where we couldn't go out, out and watch the games. So um, I was very fortunate enough to go out, go down there, watch a couple games, and I had a chance to meet him. Um, when we played the Padres for the first time, and he was everything that I I thought he would be um, when I when I first met him. Really nice, gave me a lot a lot of compliments, and the guy was great. You know, he he was super nice. But yeah, that for as a closer, I definitely looked up to him. Are you a Padres fan? I grew up a Giants fan. Okay. Yeah, which is kind of weird because I'm not that far from LA. So, and everybody down here is, are Dodgers fans. Even even at the high school that I coach at, they're all Dodgers fans. <laughs> but they gave they gave me they gave me a hard time about being a Giants fan. But you know my my entire family that's where we grew up, um, uh, or that's where we grew up cheering. And um, you know I loved the plus I, I love the colors black and orange. So I like the Giants. And I like the Orioles. Anyway, you touched on Trevor Hoffman, and he was he's definitely the greatest Padres closer of all time. One might say he's probably the best, possibly the best. National League closer of all time. You may disagree, <laughs> but. <laughs> but would you take Trevor Hoffman or Mariano Rivera in the ninth inning? I would say probably Mariano because he's been there the, a lot more than, than Trevor has as far as playoffs go. And so his track record of, of being successful 
goes a lot farther than, than Trevor's does. But either one is, is a great pick, but for me, it would have to be Mariano. Right. And who would you say the top closes in today's game when we finally get days pulled back? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I can even name any, honestly. That's a really good question. I, you know what? I don't know. Are you a fan of someone like Aroldis Chapman or potentially the gentleman from um, Kenley Jansen? Are those guys that... Aroldis probably has to, has to be the one for me. It's like he's throwing from like 45 feet away after he, after his delivery because of how tall he is and stuff. So it's, he, he's very tough to hit. But his issue is obviously like control. And then Kenley, same thing. Sometimes he just kind of, you know, he loses it every now and then. But for me, Aroldis Chapman would definitely have to be up there for me as, as a top one um, in, the, in the game today. There we go. Hey, Kobe, Kenley Anson's Dutch, by the way. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Kobe's Dutch. (laughs) Kobe. This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. So what are you up to now, Chad? Well, I'm, I'm actually coaching um, travel softball along with high school softball. Okay. So right now, I'm actually currently in the parking lot watching our high school game because I got kicked out of, la- of the last game we had, so I'm not allowed to be on the field. <laughs> so I'm watching it from the car. <laughs> okay, we, we, we got we to break that down. Hang on, hang on. I, I, I was, I'm assuming that's not a COVID restriction. That's something else. <laughs> no, yeah, that was like, I yeah, I, I got tossed um, from the game last Wednesday, and I had to sit out one game. And the, the, other, the other, the team that we're playing, like, she coaches with me, too, for, for our travel team, and she was, like, laughing, making fun of me. But just kind of as a precautionary thing to make sure our, our athletic director doesn't get in trouble and I don't get in trouble and our head coach doesn't get in trouble, I'm just kind of staying in the parking lot, watching it from the parking lot. So, <laughs> How did you get thrown out? Did you did you walk up there and say that you have sav- savages in the box or something and <laughs> told the umpire to get his, get his shit together? <laughs> um, yeah, I was very nice about it. He, he, the, that, the umpire missed the call at home, and I said it was terrible. I thought it said it was a terrible call, and then what made it worse was he kept calling all of our, all of my players because I coach softball, sweethearts and sweetie. I'm like, dude, you're a you're an umpire. Like, be respectful and show some professionalism. So I don't think he liked me calling him out because uh, then he was like, you want to stay? I was like, well, yeah, but that was a terrible call, and then he tossed me out. So. <laughs> oh wow, I'd love to stay, but I know you're going to send me back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Did anyone ever charge the mound on you, Jeff? Uh, thank goodness, no. Okay. No, no. I mean, I never, I never had as a closer. I never had a chance to throw anybody at anybody intentionally because of the situations that I, I was always in. But, but yeah, luckily, I, ne- I never had anybody uh, charge the mound on me. I love how you worded that. You never had the chance to throw <laughs> anybody intentionally. <laughs> I mean, I for me, I, I like to think I'm a tough guy, and uh, telling me like. Yeah, I, I probably, I don't know what I would have done if somebody would have I know I wouldn't have been Nolan Ryan throwing punches like, like you did do with Robin Ventura. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Here's, here's one, because I have spoken spoke to um, actually Pat Mahomes previously. He, he, he said that if he was up against the Houston Astros, the 2019, 2017 Houston Astros, he would have thrown a pitch at the back, and they would have gotten on with it. That's mm-hmm. what he used to do back then. Yeah, what would Chad Cordero have done on the mound against one of the 2017 Houston Astros? <laughs> I probably would have done the same thing, but I didn't throw as hard as Pat. You know, I I threw, I threw 88, 89 miles an hour. So I don't know if my fastball to the back would have had the same message as 
as as Pat's did. But I mean, I probably would have done the same thing. Like you know, it because you got to have respect for the game and the, what the Astros did. There was there was no respect for it. You know, but I don't know if I don't know if I would have thrown it at the back. Maybe at the like the the hips or something like that. Cause, you know, if you try to throw above the waist, there's always a chance of you losing control and hitting somebody in the head. You know, and you never if you hit somebody on purpose, on purpose, you never want to go at the head. So I probably would have done something like around the thigh. They would have got the message. But you know, because for me, like any, like I said, anything above the waist, that's a danger area. Mm-hmm. You're not out there trying to act, to intentionally hurt somebody. You know, you just you want to send a message, but there's a right way to do it. Absolutely. And speaking of sending the right message, what are some of the things or the things you pass on to your your current team that you coach right now? Just making sure that they, that they learn something new every day that they're on the uh, on the field, because that's the best advice that I ever that I ever received, and I got that from Frank Robinson when I played for him. You know, and Frank being one of the one of the best players to ever play the game, and I think he was in his seventies at the time that, that that I played for him. Having him tell me that and telling me he he's still learning stuff. At his age and after being in the game that long, like that stuck with me. So that's just, that's the same thing I I tell my players right now. Just making making sure that they're learning something every time they come out here. Because with the way baseball is and even softball is, there's there's always new new thinking, new styles, new techniques. They're coming out almost you know almost every week now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I guess it's a case of staying sharp and adjusting to the changes in the game. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now. You're a player of change. You saw the change from Montreal to Washington. What was it like seeing the Nationals break through for that title a couple of years ago? It was it was awesome. Like there's so much that we went through, like with Montreal, trying to um, not knowing what we were going to do or what, what was going to happen with us. Because I remember my last year with the, with the Expos, we were still owned by every other team in Major League Baseball, and so they weren't really w- willing to to help us out. So. Even when we first moved to, to D.C., we were still owned by Major League Baseball, for, I think, for the first two years. Right. So there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that we were able to do as far as, like, going out there and spending a lot of money on players. And so to see all the, all the hardships that they had to go through and to finally push through and, and win it, that was that, – yeah, I was very happy for them. You know, the, the players, especially with, for Zimmerman. He had been with the franchise since they first moved to D.C. Mm-hmm. And for him to stick it out – through all those losing seasons, and to be able to finally win a World Series with that, with his pretty much his home, his hometown team, for me that meant the world, you know, to see that. So I was I was happy for that for for them. There was, and I think I, I think I cried a little bit because the night that they that they won the World Series, I remember I was on the field coaching my baseball team, and all the parents were updating, and I was at first base during the game coaching, and they told me, and I started like crying a little bit. So mm-hmm. it was it was exciting. Oh, that's awesome. That's a special moment. And I'm sure people in D.C. and I'm sure even in Montreal as well, there was a feeling of that as well. There were, you know, generations that had seen the team and had been through those losing seasons, like you mentioned, but they were able to, to take in and enjoy that special moment. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> it was, you know, to, and then having a the chance to throw out the first pitch, that was cool. You know, be, being able to be on the field with, with everybody and seeing the fans' excitement, that was that was a lot of fun too. Mm, absolutely, and you also threw the last pitch at a couple of sta- stadiums. So <laughs> the Olympic Stadium, I think, this pretty sure the stadium in Puerto Rico, and also Shea Stadium. Yeah, well, no, not 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 Shea. So I was the last expo to throw a pitch in Montreal. I, yeah, I, for, I forgot about the one in Puerto Rico, and then I was a la- and then I 
to the last pitch at the old RFK Stadium in DC. RFK. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> RFK, that's a stadium with a lot of memories. I mean, <laughs> that Washington team, they won. Yep. That was their golden age in terms of the yep. NFL. What was that stadium like? Because some people say that, I mean, I've heard it described as a dump, but it was a uh-huh. lovable dump. It was. I mean, it was it it was unique. You know, it was it was tough to play there sometimes. I remember that first game that we had, we had no hot water after the game to take showers in. So that was kind of miserable because also because I remember I think the it was like thirty one degrees outside and we were all looking forward to hot showers. We walk in and there's no warm water at all. But you know, it was it was unique. I liked I liked RFK Stadium. It was the lower part of the stadium, the the, the seats they kind of bounced up and down. So when the yes, <laughs> so when the fans were jumping up and we were actually like playing well for once, you know, you could see the actual stadium moving. And I remember the the first time I saw that though, it kind of scared me a little bit because being from California, it reminded me of an earthquake. Mm. So I got a little nervous, thinking that the whole thing was going to come down, but. And then the uh, security guard next next to me telling me was like he's like that's normal he's like don't worry about it it's he's like it's old but it, it'll it'll be okay he's like okay <laughs> yeah so I do recall seeing the footage of that during the days when the the hogs used to dominate for Washington the NFL so yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, it translated to baseball as well mm-hmm. yeah it was cool now you you spent most of your career in the National League was that your preference to play in the National League or would you have Spent more time in the American League if, if things presented themselves. I enjoyed the National League because I liked that style of baseball. You know, I liked how the pitcher got to hit. Now, I didn't, I never wanted to hit, but I liked how, you know, it added a little bit more strategy to the National League style game. And I liked that. That's part of the reason why I like coaching softball because it reminds me of a lot of old school baseball where there's a lot of bunting, there's hit and runs, there's, you know, you're putting players in motion, you're not wait, waiting for that. You know that three-run home run that 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 may not come. I like that small ball ball type of type of game because that's what we played when I was at Fullerton. We never had, we didn't have a whole lot of guys who can really drive the ball out of the ballpark. Now, granted, we had a couple, but we played a very small ball style of, of baseball, and that's what I liked. And that the National League, that's what it was. You know, there's a lot more strategy. You had to figure out what you're going to do with your pitcher if your pitcher spot was coming up in a in a very important situation offensively. So, and I like that about the game. Hmm. Now, we've, we've had a chat to, to Kat Osterman, probably one of the best, if not the best, softball pitchers of all time. Good friend of mine. Wow. Small world. <laughs> How did you two meet? Well, so she's actually best friends with my girlfriend. Because my girlfriend played softball at UCLA. And then they played together professionally. Cool. So actually, Kat was actually over at the house over, uh, over Super, Bowl, Super Bowl weekend because she was working with our travel team. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's so cool yeah so yeah just thinking about i mean thinking about the team that you coach right now i mean obviously the pathway there's college and there are some there's one or two professional leagues but what would you like to see for the development of softball going forward honestly like i, I would like to see them televised a little bit more they're on youtube a little bit more now they have flow sports which which they're on but I would like to see them on both baseball and softball uh, or college mm. baseball on TV a little bit more. You know, it's because the, the especially in Southern California, the game of softball is growing tremendously right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can go in any given city and there's probably like 20, 20 travel ball teams in each city and they, they live for it. I was at last weekend. There is a huge uh, college softball tournament out in Palm Springs, which is about maybe an hour and a half from where I live. And I had... Uh, 
not all the all the top teams in college, but the majority of them are out there playing. And mm-hmm. to see the amount of kids who were out there and it, watching the game, it was it was amazing. I mean, it, it reminded me of being at a big league a big league game. So the game the game is growing, but for me, I would I would love to see the game on TV a little bit more. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think when you televise it, you have more eyes on it, and then more, more people know about it. Yeah, which is the obvious thing. But then you get you get a little more, little bit, little bit more coin coming in, like sponsorship and <laughs> that kind of thing. So that that yep. always helps in terms of development. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully that comes to fruition. Yep, I hope so because that because that, that I know a lot of people will love that. Hmm. Now I got to ask: having having played in Quebec, did you ever get to try Putin? I did, but I had I had the McDonald's version of Putin. I don't know if it was the greatest sample that I had, but um, I never had a chance to really try it like out, outside of of McDonald's for whatever reason. I was always eating because I was I ate a lot of stuff at the uh, at the field, and they, and they never had they never had that as a as an option at the field. But I did try it, and I did and I did like it. Right. <laughs> Good thing you're saying that in California, not in Quebec. I think someone would cry or maybe try and fight you. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm pretty sure you played with Kurt Suzuki, if I'm not yep. mistaken. What was that like? It was great. I mean, because on so my junior year, it was him and Justin Turner. Um, oh, and Ricky Romero. We were all on the same team my junior year at Fullerton. So it was great. Suzuki was awesome. Suzuki lived with me for a, for a long time, even even after after we got out of school. I had a house about about a mile away from um, the campus, so we ha- we always had former teammates out there living with us and Kurt was was always was always at the house cuz he cuz he rented a room for me. But he was awesome. He was he was he's such a good guy. He still I still talk to him not like a whole lot, not as much as I used to, but still quite a bit. Um we're still but we're still like really very very good friends. Like his dad and my dad became really good friends. So it's been great knowing him and you know seeing seeing longevity he's, that he's had as as a career was something I never I never I never saw, you know. I thought maybe he would you know, get up and maybe make it for a couple of years, but I think he now has, I think, fourteen years in the big leagues now, which is which is crazy. Wow, that's he stayed the course. He's he's yeah, that's awesome. Now, Chad, before we let you go, is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners? Um, no, man. Thank thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, I I love my time in uh, in Canada. You know, spending spending the year in Montreal and even the, the times we we I, we played uh, Toronto. It was great. I loved I love visiting um, Canada, and hopefully, I can get back out there soon. Absolutely, and hopefully, you can get up for a game. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be cool to see. They've got a good young squad, and yeah, the future is bright for Blue Jays baseball. But we can I know we can find you on Twitter at chadcordero32. But did you have any other social media that you wanted to share with our audience? Yeah, it's actually this my, my the one on Instagram is is this, is the same thing, chadcordero32, and. I don't post too much on Instagram every now and then. It's mostly softball and my kids. But, but yeah, if you want to follow me, get, yeah, Chad Cordero 32 on both Instagram and Twitter. Fantastic. Well, we're just going to do that right now. Hit that follow <laughs> button and done and done. <laughs> Chad, thank you for your time. All right. Thanks for having me. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.